Well, good morning, everybody. It is great to be here. It's a great day to be in church. And like Pastor Josh said, it is hard to believe today is the last day or the last Sunday of 2018. If we haven't had the, the chance to meet yet, my name is Pastor Pat. I'm the associate pastor here at New Song. And it's a, a privilege to be able to speak with you guys today and just share, share the word of God with you today. Um, and I'm excited. I'm excited about what God has coming up uh, and in store for us in 2019. And, and as you heard on the video announcements, please ma- make a plan to be here on January 20th. Uh, We're going to have a very special prayer and worship time right here in the sanctuary. And, and it's just a, a really a, a special time to gather together as, as our church family, just to, to pray together, to worship together. And, and it really, if you've been to any of our, our previous ones, it, it's, it's an outstanding time. You're going to leave very encouraged so I, I, I encourage you, if, if at all possible, make sure you're here that Sunday night on January 20th. We're going to have a great time here. So I wanted to, um, to just kind of kick off, I wanted to share with you something that happened five years ago in my hometown of Milwaukee. Um, I, if, though, if you don't know, I'm originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, lived there my entire life until moving down here about 10 years ago. And, and a couple years back, there was something that happened in Milwaukee that some of you might have, have actually heard about and that, that literally made international, international headlines. It, it made international news. And so um, if, if you wouldn't mind just putting uh, the picture up on the screen for me real quick, um, I wanted to show you the picture of this violin. This is the, the Stradivarius Lipinski violin. Stradivarius Lipinski violin. It's a beautiful, beautiful instrument. And, and, and this, this instrument, this violin, is about 300 years old. It's just a hair over 300 years old and is valued at about $6 million. It, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's something pretty special. And, and in fact, it was actually made by, by the, the famous Italian instrument maker Antonio Stradivari. And, and really what's so interesting about Stradivarius instruments is, is they're literally known around the world just for their unique sound, their unique craft, craftsmanship, that, that they, it's been tried to be duplicated, the, the sound and, and, and the acoustics that, that these instruments put out, and it's never really been able to be done. And, and that's why the, the Stradivarius instruments that were made by the Stradivari family are, are literally renowned around, around the world. And so, like I said, this particular one, this is called the, the Lipinski violin, is, is valued at about $6 million. Well, I, I'm going to show you a, another picture real quick. Now, this picture right here, this, this is Frank Almond. Frank Almond is the concertmaster of the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra, and this is him holding the Lipinski violin. He, he's a world-class violinist, literally plays all around, all around the world, and he plays that $6 million, 300-year-old violin. There, there's, a, there's a very wealthy family in Milwaukee that owns this, this violin, and, and they've actually lent it to Frank Allman to play. They, they kind of thought, well, it's, it's better to be played in the hands of a master than gathering dust in a, in a vault somewhere. And, and so five years ago, it actually was five years ago this coming week, Frank Ullman was was walking back to his car after after playing a, a performance, and two guys walk up to him, tased him, and stole the violin. They stole this six million dollar violin from from him. And and the police chief at the time, his name was Ed Flynn, the police chief in Milwaukee at the time, was actually friends with Frank Almond. And so when he had heard about what had happened, he didn't 
He, he knew that this wasn't just some nice violin that got stolen. This was like a $6 million work of art that had been, that had been taken from, from Frank Almond. And in fact, the, the police chief, Ed Flynn, he actually took a lot of heat because he, he actually diverted like detectives who were like uh, on murder cases and all that and started using them to help try to track down this violin. And, and it, what, what's amazing to me is that there were hundreds, if not thousands of people literally all over the world that were looking and trying to find this, this particular violin. The, the, the Milwaukee Police Department, the Sheriff's Department, the FBI, Interpol, TSA, like international organizations were looking and trying to find this, this violin. You know, the TSA was alerted, especially in, in Milwaukee and Chicago. They didn't want this, this violin being flown out of the country or anything like that. And, and eventually, about a week later, thankfully, the, the violin was, was recovered. And, and the, the, the two guys that stole it, thankfully, were probably guys that would end up on, like, the world's dumbest criminals list. Um, that they, they, they had planned out how they were going to take this violin, but they never really planned, all right, what are we going to do with it once we actually have it? Because you can't just, like, walk up to somebody on the street and say, hey, you want to buy a $6 million violin? And, and so, so they... They, they kind of planned out their robbery. They didn't plan what they were going to do with it after the fact. And, and thankfully, it, it ended up, you know, being returned. It was found uh, in an attic um, in a uh, suitcase uh, of all things. But thankfully, you know, nothing, nothing major happened with it. But what's so fascinating about that story to me really is the passion by which literally hundreds of people were trying to seek out and find this violin, like hundreds, like I said, if not thousands of people around the world were looking for and seeking out and trying to find this one violin. And, and, and so they, they were literally willing to do whatever, whatever was possible to try to, to try to find it. And so this story kind of came back to, to mind to me as I was getting prepared to, to share this message with you this morning. Because tomorrow, as, as you heard in the video announcements, tomorrow marks day one of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And, and if, you're, if you're new to, to New Song, every year at the very beginning of the year, we set aside the first three weeks of the year just, just to seek God, just to seek what, what is it, God, that you have for us this coming year. We're going to put you first before anything else this entire year. And so we try to have a, 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 a sincere focus on, on prayer and fasting of connecting with God during these first 21 days. It really is a way for us to put God first in, in our year. And, and if you know your Bible at all, there's really a law of first fruits. It's, it's, God always wants what's first in our life. And so that, this is our way of just kind of setting aside the first couple weeks in our year and really devoting them to God. And like I, I, I mentioned earlier, we are going to kind of wind up that 21 days of prayer and fasting, just having just a, a great prayer and worship night here at New Song. It, it really is a great time of just being able to worship and spend some time together and, and really, as I was praying about what God wanted me to share with you guys today, there, there was one word that just kept, kept coming back to mind over and over and over again as I was reading my Bible, as I was studying, as I was praying for this, and that was the word seek, the word seek. And, and, and in the same way that literally hundreds of people were trying to seek out and find that $6 million violin, I, I, I think it, it would be incumbent of us as a church to really Focus on seeking God with that same kind of passion, that same kind of zeal, that, that same uh, unction 
this, this, coming, this coming year for the first three weeks of, of our year. And, and I want to kind of make something real clear. All right, we're, we're not seeking after God because he's lost, though. All right, like, the, like this violin, you know, that, that was taken, nobody knew where it was. God hasn't gone anywhere. We're, we're not seeking after God because, because he's lost. We're, we're actually seeking him because we're lost without him. That, that, that's why we, we seek after him. And what we're seeking after is more of God's presence. What we need to be seeking after is more of his power, his direction for our lives. We need to be seeking after just more of having him, more of, uh, more of God, more of Jesus in our lives. And, and so in, in my devotional time a, a couple weeks ago, I came across this verse. It's on your sermon notes here that, that really encouraged me. And it's Psalm chapter 9, verses 9 through 10. And it says, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. And I, t- I tell you, that, that was an encouragement to me, you guys, because I don't know about you, but I know an awful lot of people and an awful lot of people in this church sitting in this room right now that 2018 was kind of a difficult year, that there was a lot of things that, that happened, a lot of, uh, a lot of just stuff of, of life that ended up happening. And, and I tell you, th- this was an encouragement to me, that last phrase on there, that the Lord has not forsaken those who seek him. That, that if we're seeking after God, if we're seeking more of his presence in our life, if we're seeking more of his power in our life, if we're seeking more of him, God said, I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to be with you through whatever it is that, that you're having to go through. And, and that's a promise I needed to hear. That was a promise that, that I needed to hear, that the more that we seek after God in our lives, he's always going to be there. He will not forsake us. And so wouldn't it be appropriate of us as a church body, the, to start off this year, 2019, that's about to, to start on Tuesday, wouldn't it be appropriate for us to seek him first this coming year, to really put him in, in that, that top spot, that top priority that he desires to be in our lives? And, and I also came across this verse that, that really just kind of challenged me uh, about, uh, about my own personal prayer life, my own, my own time of, of seeking God. And it's in Jeremiah 10, verse 21. I re- want to read this to you. It says, for the shepherds, this is God talking right now, for the shepherds have become stupid and have not sought the Lord. Therefore, they have not prospered and their flock is scattered. What, 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 a, what a verse that is. That, that the shepherds have become stupid and have not sought the Lord. Therefore, because they have not sought the Lord, therefore, they have not prospered and all their flock is scattered. So just think about that for a minute. Think, think about what that verse is saying. That he's talking about shepherds and not just shepherds like who, who are overseeing a church body. He's talking about anybody who's in leadership, anybody who's leading others. Because that's what a shepherd does. A shepherd is leading his sheep. And he's saying... If, because I'll, I'll tell you this, because we're all leaders in some capacity. Some of us are leaders here at the church. You're leaders of your own family. You're leaders at, at work, with your friends, whatever it might be. That all, that all of us have some leadership role to play. And what God is saying is, if we don't seek after him, we're stupid. Like, like think about that. We're stupid if we don't seek after him, that we're not going to prosper, that our flock is going to be scattered. And I don't know about you, but I want to prosper this year. I don't want my flock to be scattered. I, I want to be doing well. And, and, and what God is saying is, if, if you're not seeking after him, 
That's what's going to happen. And that, that just, I, I, I tell you, that was, a, that was a challenge to me because I, I was saying, I, I don't, I, I don't, I want to prosper. I really, I really want my flock to be moving in that direction, the direction that we're trying to lead them. And so seeking the Lord really does need to be a top priority for us this year, New Song, as, as we're starting 20, 2019. And again, I, I wanted to just kind of reemphasize this. We're not seeking after God because he's lost. We're seeking after him because we're lost without him, because we need more of him in our life. So what does it mean to seek after the Lord? What, what does it mean to seek after him? So I want you to write this down. Number one, seeking God is a conscious choice. Seeking God is a conscious choice. First Chronicles 22.19 says, Now set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. That's, that's the first part of First Chronicles 22.19. It's not something that just happens on its own. All right? it, it's not something that's just going to occur. We have to set our mind. We have to set our heart. We have to be purposeful, make the conscious choice to seek after him with all of our heart. Um, I, I don't know how many of you know this. Um, I, I, I was a math and science guy in, in school, loved, loved science, loved, loved math. In fact, I was a, a physics minor when I was in college. And, and, and the second law of thermodynamics in, in physics talks about how things will naturally go from a state of order to disorder if left on their own. That that's just what's going to, that's just the progression that, that things happen. They'll go from a state of order to disorder when left by themselves. And if we aren't purposeful about seeking after God, that's what's going to happen in our life. Our life is going to go from a place of order to disorder if we don't do something about it, if we aren't purposeful about seeking after more of him in our life, if we're not serious about putting God first in our life. So we need to make that conscious choice. We need to make that conscious decision to put God first in our life, to truly seek after him with all of our hearts. Number two, seeking God requires humility. Seeking God requires humility. Psalm 10.4 says this. It says, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. There's, there's no room. All right? it, the, the, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. The seeking after God does require for us to have a humble heart. It, it, it's our way of of saying we can't do this all by ourselves. We, 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 can't, we can't live this life by ourselves. We can't do it all. We can't make all these decisions by ourselves. God, I am putting myself at your feet because I don't know it all, because I can't figure it all out, because I can't do this on my own. God, I need more of you in my life. And, and honestly, especially in America, this kind of flies counterculturally. You know, we like to be, you know, self-made, self-sufficient, pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. We, we don't want help from anybody. But that's, that's actually not what, what Scripture talks about. That's, that's not the way of following Christ. Following Christ is saying, no, I can't do it all. I can't figure it all out on my own. I do need help. I, I have no problem saying, I, I, you know what? What God is asking me to do, le being a leader here at the church, being a leader of my family, I can't do it on my own. I've never done it before. I, do, I need God's help. And by definition, if we're prideful, we're saying, God, I don't need you. If, if, we're, if, if we have that, that heart of pride, we're saying, God, 
I, I, I don't need you in my life. I can, I can work this out just fine on my own without you. But if we're going to seek him first, we have to come to that place of saying, God, I really can't do this by myself. God, I really do need you. What you are asking of me, what you've called me to do is way bigger than me. And I need your help. So number three, number three, what does it mean to seek after God? We must eliminate things that distract us from the things of God. We must eliminate things that distract us from the things of God. Colossians 3 verses 1 through 2 says this. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. And, and I tell you, we, we all know this. We all have countless things in our lives that are, that are always distracting us and pulling us away from the things of God. You know, and, and this kind of goes with, with number one in a way. Number three kind of goes along with number one, what I said about making a conscious choice to seek after God. But with all the things in, in our lives, with all the, the demands that we have, all the things that are constantly vying for our attention and pulling us in, in different directions, it's easy for us to, to give attention to those things and kind of push God a little bit further down the list. All right, am I the only person that's ever dealt with that in, in, in my life? You know, that, that, that we always have all these demands, all these things, our to-do lists, the, the stuff that we're responsible for, all of that. And, and it's easy to say, all right, I, I need to answer that, that email. I need to respond to this phone call. I need to do this. I need to do that. And, and our time with God kind of gets pushed further and further behind. You say, well, you know what? I'll, I'll get to it later. All right, I heard, I heard somebody say one time, later is another word for never. That if you say, yeah, I'm going to get to it later, later usually doesn't always end up coming. So we, we need to make sure that we're eliminating those things. And, and I'll tell you, uh, some of those distractions, a lot of them are really good things too. You know, our, our jobs, our families, social media, our, our friends, our hobbies, all those things, they're all good things. But what it's really easy to do, what's really tempting for us is for us to put those things in place of God. And, and I'll tell you, God always wants first place. God always wants first place in our lives. And if we're elevating those other things above the importance of God, we're, we're putting ourselves in, in, a, in a bad spot. And, and, and what I, had, I had a really interesting conversation a couple of years ago when my, my youngest, my, my son Josiah was born. He's just turned six. Hard to believe I'm, I'm getting old. I have a teenager now. I have a teenager and a six-year-old. I, I am getting old. God help me. And, and so, so when, when Josiah was born, we were, I was in the hospital and I was talking to one of the nurses. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm holding my my newborn son here, I mean, and just like, you're just overflowing with love for this little life that's, that's in your arms. And I asked one of the nurses, I said, does this ever get old? Like, does this ever get old, you know, like welcoming this new life into the world? And she said something so interesting to me. She said, you know what? After a while, it's just another baby. It, it's just, another, you know, like, this is just part of my job. This is just something that I do. Like, for me, like, this is like, wow, you know, like, this is my son. And for her, it was, well, it's, it's just another baby. You know, like I, I've just gotten used to the routine. This is just kind of, uh, it's just kind of what I do. Um, I, I, had a, I had a very similar conversation when last year uh, our family went to Rocky Mountain National Park 
on vacation. And I talked to one of the rangers who, who worked there. And, and I, like, I was imagining, like, you, you look around at Rocky Mountain National Park, just this amazing, beautiful location. And you think, wow, can you imagine, like, being paid to work here, like, doing this? And, and I asked him, I said, what is this like? Like, what, what's it like to live here and be paid to, to work in, in one of the most beautiful places in the world? And, and, he, and he, said, he said to me something very similar to the nurse. He said, you know what? It just kind of all becomes part of the background at some point. Like, like the, that, that we sometimes get so busy, like, doing the things of life that we forget the miracle that's literally right there in front of us. And, and, I, and I'll tell you, it, especially... It's something we need to be careful of, especially those of us who've been in the church for a long time, those of us who've been saved for a while, that, that it's easy to become complacent. It's easy just to come and do church. Well, church is just something that I do. Opening my Bible and reading, it's just something that I do. It, you know, like coming and praying, you know what, God, I'm just kind of doing my duty. It's easy to become complacent and, and just say, well, you know what, just, just like, you know, the nurse, oh, it's just another baby. Uh, it just kind of becomes part of the background. I, I, I tell you, we, we need to consciously fight against that, you know, of, of all those things. Because the, all those distractions in life, they kind of dull us to the amazing thing that God has really called us to. Um, I, I, I don't know how many of you know who Ravi Zacharias is. Anybody, anybody in here know? All right, a couple people know Ravi Zacharias. Um, probably one of the greatest Christian apologists alive Today And he wrote a book that I read a couple years ago, and it's called Recapture the Wonder. And, and, and I love the title too, Recapture the Wonder. And, and in it, he's, he's talking about this exact thing of, of, of saying, you know what, we, 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 need to, we need to realize what it is that we've honestly been called to. What, what is it that God has, has really done for us and put on our heart? What has God actually done that we need to recapture that wonder of what it means to be a follower of Christ, that, that literally we are a part of a movement, like literally a movement that's going on around the world of redeeming the world, redeeming people, that we get to be a part of that. And, and it and really is about finding the joy and the wonder of a life with Christ once again. And, and, I, and I tell you, Nusan, that's something we need, to, we need to recapture that wonder again. We need to fight against complacency. We need to fight against that, that, that um, just kind of the, the natural dulling effect that life ends up having on us because it's easy to become distracted by the things of this world and miss out really on what God has for us, what God really wants for us to do. And number four, last thing on here, number four is God promises good things when we seek him with all of our hearts. God promises good things when we seek him with all our hearts. I, I have a number of scriptures here to share with you. Psalm 34, and, and I could have put dozens more in here. Psalm 34, 10. The lions may become weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Those, those that are pursuing his presence, those that are seeking after him, you're not going to be lacking any good thing. God, God has everything that you need. Isaiah 55, 6 through 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. That when we're seeking after the Lord, he's going to show us mercy. He's going to show us grace. Lamentations 325. 
The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. He's good to those who are, who are hoping in him, who are seeking after him. Jeremiah 29, 13, and 14. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. What he's saying is when you seek me, you're going to find me. And guess what? I'm going to restore all those things that were taken from you. I'm going to make things right. I'm going to put things back in their place, back how they, those things ought to be. That he's good to those who are seeking after him. What God is saying is he's saying, I want you. When you pursue me, when you put me first, things are going to go well with you. Things are not going to be perfect. Things in this world will not be perfect. It's It's not a magic formula that if we put God first, well, then all of a sudden, everything else is just going to work out hunky dory. That's not what it is. But what God is saying is, I have everything that you need. That when you pursue me, when you seek me, when you put me first, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be your portion. I'm going to supply everything that you need. And so I'll tell you a new song. Seeking God is important. And that's why we are setting aside these first 21 days, these first three weeks of the year to seek him more earnestly. But we're also making this a time of fasting as well. And it, it, typically are in August, we, we do our 21 days, both in January and in August. In August, we typically do 21 days of prayer. In, in January, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. So I want to share with you just a, for a few minutes here, just a little bit about fasting. And you can write this down in your notes. Fasting is disconnecting from the world so that I can better connect with God. Fasting is disconnecting from the world so that I can better connect with God. This really kind of ties in with, with number three above, but, but you know, fasting, it really is a way for us to disconnect of, of all the distractions, the things of this world, so that we can really focus our mind, focus our hearts uh, on the Lord. And, and it's, it really is kind of a way of temporarily giving up something that's important to us in order to get something that's more important to us, specifically more of God in, in our lives. And so there, there's, there's different kinds of, of, of fasts. Um, but before we get into some of those different kinds of fasts, I, I guess I wanted to kind of, kind of lay out for you, first of all, what fasting is not. All right? Sometimes it's, it's, it, it's, it helps to kind of clarify things when you, when you talk about what something is not. So number one is fasting is not a weight loss plan. Fasting is not a weight loss plan. All right, and, and that, that probably should go without saying, but, but it is worth sharing. And, and I know that after the holidays and after everybody's been overeating and everybody wants to start off the new year, saying, all right, this year I'm, this year's going to be the year that I lose weight. This is going to be the year I get into shape. And, and, and that's good, but that's not the purpose of, of fasting. Fasting is not a, a weight loss plan. Now, now, losing some weight, getting healthier might be a side benefit, of, of fasting, but, the, but again, that's not, that's not the point. It's, it's about wanting to connect on a much deeper level with, with God. Number two, and, and this is one I really want to really hammer home to you guys. This is so important. Fasting does not make us more holy or acceptable to God. Fasting does not make me more holy or acceptable to God. You know, us giving up food or social media 
or movies or TV or soda or whatever it would be that you decide to give up does not make you more holy. It, it doesn't earn you browning points with God. It doesn't mean, all right, God, well, here, I'm doing this for you. You better come through. You better answer me. You better do what, I, what I'm asking now. It, it's not a way of bribing God. It's not a way of trying to convince God to give us what we want or to do what we're, we're asking of him. Fasting is not for, for God. Fasting is for us. Fasting is, is for us. It, it's, it's really our way of saying, God, I want, I want you more. I want you more than the cravings I'm having. I want you more than, than my desire for, for media. All right, it, it, this isn't our way of trying to, to buy favor with God. That, all right, you know what? I'm making this sacrifice. I'm doing this for you. Well, surely, God, now you're going to hear me. Now you're going to answer my prayer. Um, it doesn't make us more holy or acceptable. If, Ephesians 2.8 says this, For it is by grace... You have been saved through faith, and this is not from ourselves. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. There, there's not anything we can do to change what God thinks of us. There's not anything we can do to kind of change how God feels about us, what, what, he, what God is going to do in, in our lives. We're, we're, this isn't a way of trying to manipulate God. This is our way of saying, God, I, I'm giving up something that's important to me because you're more important. You're more important than that. And number three, fasting should not draw attention to ourselves. Fasting should not draw attention to ourselves. Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18. says, now when you fast, this is Jesus talking, and notice this. He doesn't say if you fast. He's not saying, oh, you know what, if you feel like fasting, he's saying when you do. Jesus is kind of taking it for granted that this is going to be just a natural, normal part of being a follower of Christ. He's saying, now when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. What he's saying is, you know what, they're, they're trying to make people take notice. Oh, you know what, he's, he's, really, he's really spiritual. He's fasting right now. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast... Put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus, what Jesus is saying, is he's saying, don't make a production out of it. Don't, don't make a production out of, out, of, out of your fasting. Don't try to make other people think that you're super holy, super spiritual, something, something like that. You, you don't need to take a picture of your empty plate plate and put it on Facebook or Instagram, you know, letting everybody know what you're doing. That, that's, not, that's not the point of, of fasting at all. But really, make this a thing between you and God. You, you don't have to broadcast it to everybody. You don't have to let everybody know it. And, and, you know, people will probably notice. You know, I mean, if, if you typically sit down in the lunchroom and are eating with everybody, and all of a sudden you're not eating lunch, people will take notice, but we're not doing it to be noticed. All right, this is something that, that, that should be between you, you and God because Jesus has a, has a lot to say about tooting our own horn, doing things to try to impress other people. But, but, I, but I'd encourage you a new song. Make this a serious thing. You know, t take some time today. Take some time tomorrow. Take some time over the first couple days of this 21 days of prayer and fasting and just ask God and say, God, what is it you, you'd want me to, to do? What would you want me to give up? What would you want me 
to fast? What, what do you want me to, to set aside for you? But, but really, make this 21 days of prayer and fasting your own. Like, I, I'll, I'll tell you a new song. Really take the time to invest, to, to, to pour in, to, to lean into God like you never have before. And, and there's all kinds of different fasts that you can do. You know, there, there you can do a food fast. There's, there's total fasts where you don't eat, a, eat any kind of food. There's, there's partial fasts where you fast just like for portions of the day. There's, there's a selective fast where, you know, like the Daniel fast, some of you might have heard of that, where you're eating just fruits and, and vegetables or something like that. You, you could do a media fast, you know, where you're saying, all right, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be on social media that time that I would normally spend on Facebook. God, I'm going to give you that time instead or TV or movies or video games or whatever it is but, but I tell you a new song fasting really is a way this, this is how I think of fasting and, and when I've fasted this is what it does for me it's a way of recalibrating our hearts in a way it, it, it really is it, it's, it's a way to, of kind of getting my heart and my mind back on the things of God and, and what better way to start this year than, than with that and, and I tell you a new song. We, we have a bunch of resources on our website. If, if you need help, kind of uh, prayer guides or, or help with fasting, you want to learn more about it, we have a bunch of information on our website. And, and if you've not been to our brand new website, you got to check it out. It's newsongplymouth.church. And you can go to, to find out more about prayer and about fasting. Go to newsongplymouth.church slash 21 days. And on there, you'll find, you'll find a prayer guide that can help you out in, in this. You'll, you'll find some resources about different types of fast that you could participate in. But whatever it is that you decide to fast, I, 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 I you know, give that thing, that thing that you like, give, give that thing that you like up for something that you want more. Be willing to give up food. Be willing to give up something in your life that you really enjoy for something you want more, which is more of God in our life. Give him that time that you'd normally spend on Facebook. Give him that time that you would normally spend at lunchtime or at breakfast or whatever it might be. So I want to encourage you with this. And this is, I'll, I'll end with this new song. I want to encourage you with this. Participate with us over these next 21 days. Like as a, as a church body, like on any given Sunday, we, we have in the neighborhood of 550 to 600 people that come every single Sunday here to New Song. And we have a lot more than that that would call New Song their church home. Can you imagine all of us coming together, all of us praying and seeking more of God, fasting so that, so that we can experience more of him in our lives over these next 21 days. You know, be, be extremely purposeful, New Song, about putting God first, about eliminating those distractions, those things that, that kind of dull us from, from the things of God. Pray, pray about it. Ask God, what, what is it, God, you want me to do? What do you want me to fast? What do you want me to give up during these next 21 days? And new song, I'm telling you, I, I'm believing. I'm really believing for God to move in your life this year. I really am. I, I'm believing that, that as, as you seek him first, as we seek him first together during these 21 days, that this is going to form a habit in your life. If, if, if devoting that time to God isn't necessarily a habit in your life right now, I'm praying that these 21 days, that as you put him first, as you're seeking after him, that it's just going to become a part of who you are. It's, it's going to become just a natural part of the, the rhythm of your life, 
of being able to seek after him and, and putting him first. I don't want us to just seek him for these first three weeks. I want this to become a lifestyle for everyone here at New Song. So I want to close with this, the final verse that's on your sermon notes. It's in 1 Chronicles 16, 11. And it says, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. That, that, that's, that I want that to be my banner this year. That thing that I'm, that I'm purposeful and I'm striving after is I want to seek, his, seek God, seek his strength. And I want to seek him continually. Not just when I'm in a time of need. I want to seek him continually because I know I need more of him in my life. And I know you need more of him in your life too. So let me, let me, let me just close. Let me just pray over you right now, Nusan. Let me pray over you as we're getting ready to embark on this 21 days of prayer and fasting. Just that God's going to do some amazing things in, in your life, in our church. He's just going to just, he's just going to open up and just blow our socks off. So Father, we love you. you. You are so amazing. You're so good to us, God. And we love you so very much, Lord. God, we, we don't deserve your blessings. We don't deserve the, the goodness, Father, that you've shown us. But we just want to tell you thank you, Lord. God, thank you that, that as we're starting this, this new year together, God, we want to do it right. Father, we want, we want, we want you to take first place in our lives, Lord, and, and forgive us for all the times that, that we've elevated other things in, in our lives above you. Forgive us for those times that we've put other things in that place, Lord, that you deserve, that we've gotten our focus off of you and onto the things of this world. Lord, forgive us for the times that we've been distracted and let the busyness of life kind of push you further down the list. God, we love you. It's, it's easy for us to, to put those, those other things first. And for the times we've done that, we're sorry, Lord. But God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for, thank you for your mercy. That God, then, when, then we really focus in and seek you with all of our hearts, with our souls, with our, with our mind, with all of our strength. God, I pray that you're going to reveal yourself to, to your people. Reveal yourself to us, God, in some incredible ways. God, I pray that as we seek after you and seek your presence, God, that we're going to know you and feel you, God, that we're going to be able to experience you like never before. God, I pray that this coming year, God, it will truly be one of abundance. It'll be one of abundance for everyone who calls New Song their church home. God, that you're going to restore those things that the devil has taken. God, that you're going to heal the wounds of your people. God, that when we put you first, that you're going to grow and expand your kingdom in our lives. Lord, we love you so very much. God, thank you for being so good to us, Lord. And we look forward, Father, to what you have in store for us this year. In Jesus' name. Amen.